The following is the conclusion of our Deformed Reformed series. We hope that you have enjoyed this content. Thank you so much for tuning in, and please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM. Pray for us, and then we'll start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We do thank you for this time that we can take in the middle of the week to uh, come together and sit under your word and to learn, Lord. We need these constant refreshers throughout our busy weeks and throughout our busy lives, Lord, so that we may remain focused on you. So I pray that you would help us to do that this evening. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I think last week I told you that we were finishing with this series, but we got one more. Something was... On my mind last week, and I wanted to spend some time talking about what we're going to talk about tonight, which is how the fall has really deformed the way that we think and the way that our thoughts process and the way that we view thinking. And one of the things that really caught my attention this week, and we'll touch a little bit more on this in just a little bit, is the whole idea. So new technology is coming out on a daily basis. Artificial intelligence is something that is becoming increasingly more popular. And there's a lot of benefits to it, but there's a lot of downsides and a lot of dangers to it as well. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But before we do that, I want to start by asking you this question. So have you ever had a moment where maybe you've said something or done something and you realize that your brain is just not firing on all cylinders? And maybe you've said something that just didn't make sense or was super embarrassing. Or maybe you said something and you're like, that's not what I meant to say. Perhaps your brain and your mouth didn't really connect and something just comes out. And it might leave you embarrassed. It might leave you in some shame. It might leave you in confusion as to why those words just came out of your mouth. The whole of creation is fascinating, but the whole idea of our brains is super fascinating. I don't know about you, but if you ever think about your brain, it has 100 billion neurons that fire over a hundred trillion synaptic connections that fire anywhere between five to 50 messages per second. Think about that. If you could create something, you probably could not create something that complex. But God created our minds as this super complex thing that honestly does a whole lot more in the way that it functions than like computers and phones do. The amount of messages that are constantly moving to help, like my hands are moving right now because my brain is telling my hands to move right now. Our minds are powerful, and they were created for a specific purpose. They were created to think and process. Yet oftentimes, because of sin, it doesn't function that way. Oftentimes, the way that we think, the way that we process, the way that we use our minds and use our God-given gift of thinking is very flawed and can get us into a lot of trouble. We don't use them in helpful ways. So if you're taking notes tonight, here's our main point. Our minds are powerful tools and need to be used wisely. Our minds are powerful tools and need to be used wisely. So I'm going to ask a first question for tonight. How has the fall deformed thought for us? So let's read Genesis 2, 5 to 9. Caleb's going to come read that for us. Genesis 2, 5 to 9. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. 
and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Awesome. Thank you. So when God created mankind, he created them very uniquely from the rest of creation. As we talked about the last week with our speech, God gifted us with communication that's different than the rest of creation. Other things that mankind were gifted with were things like emotion. Not that animals can't express emotion, but we as human beings do that in such a far superior way. Rational thinking. Again, animals can do this, but we do this in a far superior way. Creativity. Again, animals can be very creative in the way that they do things, but human beings are far more creative in the way that they do things. We're simply blessed and have more capacity to do things than the rest of creation because we're God's special creation. We were set apart from the rest of creation because he wants us to glorify him through all that we do. Now, thinking rationally and practically are distinctive parts of what it means to be a human. It's not the only thing that it means to be a human, but it's a very, very important part. And just as a side note, someone who's born with cognitive disabilities or someone who's gotten into an accident where their brain does not function in the same way does not mean they're any less of a human being. It just means that we live in a fallen world where things happen. And we're affected by the fall. But all that being said, mankind was given dominion over the earth. They were told to go and to have dominion over the earth. And God gave Adam a lot of freedom to do that, meaning that creativity was encouraged. He gave the world to Adam and said, this is yours. Go have dominion. Go have dominion over everything, over the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the plants of the earth. God didn't give Adam a list of preferred methods of exercising dominion. He gave him that freedom. Adam could do it as he saw fit, which means that Adam's thought processing, the way that he would think and process things, was very important. Creativity was very much encouraged. But the problem is, as we've seen every week, something bad happened in Genesis 3, and we're going to read Genesis 3, 8 to 13. I can't remember who I asked to read that for me. Genesis 3, 8 to 13. Come on up, Ryan. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. All right, in a way, the fall has deeply affected the way that we think and process things. Most of us probably value the idea of practical problem solving and thinking. Maybe you're not into that. I love riddles, so like I'll spend hours working on a riddle and I won't let anyone tell me the answer because I want to figure it out. So I enjoy that process. But the fall really takes something that, that should be enjoyable and good and healthy and it twists it and deforms it. Just like it's done with every single thing we've talked about this semester And the way that it has done that with our thought process is it's really destroyed our desire to do what we were created to do. And most of us don't have an apathetic view of everything. You may not enjoy thinking all the time, but you have a brain and you have to use it. Some of us just don't use it as wisely as we should. But the fall took and ruined something that was good, something that was God-given. Just like communication, we talked about speech last week. It's a good gift. We were given it to communicate with each other, to communicate with God, and we take it and we turn it into sin. And that's the exact same thing that happens with our brains, with our minds, with our thoughts, is that our thought processing now is more geared towards sin than it is not. 
where before rational thinking was the norm, now things like irrational thinking, blame shifting, things like brain farts, okay? Y'all ever had a brain fart where your brain just shuts down and you don't even know what you were, you were thinking about? Complete apathy. These, these are all things that we now have to wrestle with, okay? Because our minds are affected by sin. Now, I want you to notice a few things from this particular passage. When God was walking in the midst of the garden, what did Adam and Eve's minds tell them was the right thing to do in that moment? To hide. They hide from God as if this would work. The God of the universe who knows all, who sees all, somehow he's not going to see them hiding in a bush. So their minds are already thinking highly irrationally. They think that, oh, we can just hide in this bush and we'll get away from God. We'll hide from him and he won't see what we've done. So already their minds are just lying to them. They can't hide from God, but they sure try. Now, next, they don't really get to the heart of the issue right away. Did you notice what they said when God said, where are you? They say, Adam says in verse 10, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. What did he leave out? You can answer this. Okay. He leaves out the fact, oh, no, we, we kind of did what you told us not to do. Uh, and we ate of the tree, and uh, things are good. Uh, so he completely leaves out. So... His mind is telling him in that moment, try to cover up as much as you can. Try to make it out to be not as bad as, as it might seem. So his mind is already showing the effects of the fall right here. He's trying to avoid the problem. But God sees right through that. And when he does, what do they do? What do they do? They start pointing fingers at everybody except for themselves. Okay, Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. I want to read a quote for you. This is by a guy named Nicholas Carr. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Yeah, he says, whether I'm online or not, my mind expects to take in information the way that the net distributes it, in a swiftly moving stream of particles. Once I was a scuba diver in a stream of words, but now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. And what he's really getting at here is that the way that our minds work now, especially with all the good technology that we have, our brains just, they're almost trained to just not think as much as they used to. Okay, so what, what he's saying here is, I used to like dive deep into words, and really think about things. But now I just kind of zip along the surface. And I can get away with that because of the culture that we're in. And what he's really getting at is that because in our minds they're affected by sin, they want to do as little as possible. They want to do as little as is needed to either get through work, to get through school, whatever it is. This stifles our creativity. And this is how the fall really deforms our thoughts and forms the way that we think. But the good news is, is that Jesus doesn't leave us there. He does call us out of that. He does reform the way that we think. John's going to come up and read Romans. We're going to start with Romans 1, 18 to 25. We'll pick up on a few more verses in just a second. Okay. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Thank you, John. All right, so the Apostle Paul starts the book of Romans off with a bang. He gets straight to the point. He goes, 
pardon the pain after sin, and he talks about the absolute fallen nature of mankind. This is the doctrine of total depravity, the fact that we are so totally depraved that the only thing that can save us is an act of God. That's how much of us is affected by sin. Now, a lot of people misunderstand the term total depravity. A lot of people think that that means that we are all as awful as we can be. That's just not true. But what it does mean is that every part of us is totally affected by sin. So in verse 19 to 20, he says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So they should see things clearly. They should think clearly, but they don't. They think they have wisdom, but they're fools. In verse 21, it says, Their foolish hearts were darkened. John, will you come up and read verses 28 to 32 for us? And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Thank you, John. All right, so he continues to describe where we're at as human beings. And there's actually a play on words here that we miss in the English. So I want you to look at your passage. Okay? How does it start off? It, it talks about how since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. Now go to that word debased. You see the word debased? This is a super interesting word. Okay? This particular word means unfit. Okay? It means uh, unfit or depraved or failing the test. So here's what Paul is saying. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, he gave them over to an unfit mind. He's saying, because they thought nothing but sin, God gave them over to their sinfulness and sinful nature. This is where we are at as human beings apart from the grace of Jesus. And we will always have that unfit mind. What this teaches us is that our minds, because of sin, need to be rewired. The only person that could do that is the Holy Spirit. And that's the promise that we have in Jesus. That when we believe in him, repent of our sin, and place our faith in him, he begins to unravel the mess that happens in our minds. Because here are the effects. Our minds find these things to be okay. He lists these through 29 to 31. Unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. And I love that he throws this in here. Disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And not only that, they don't bat an eye at other people that do those things. In fact, they give approval to those that do these things. This is how far our minds are depraved apart from the work of God. But Jesus does the rewiring. And I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. I think, Davey, I'll give you that one here. Paul's going to give us another list of sins, but he's going to give us a great encouragement here at the end. So I want you to pay attention to that. Yeah. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. In such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So he goes on about... 
things that our minds try to tell us are okay because of our sinful nature. I'm not going to read that list again. But he lists all these things, and he provides a little bit more insight into the solution of our debased mind. The solution to the wires are all messed up and we need rewiring. And he provides for us a wonderful thing here. Notice in verse 11, he says, And such were some of you. Which teaches us here that when we struggle with those types of things, and there's more sins than just that list, when we struggle with sin, if we are redeemed in Jesus, that's what he thinks of us. And such were some of you. He doesn't look at us and say, sinner, sinner, sinner. He looks at us and he sees us as redeemed because of his work. So what he's saying here, what Paul is saying here is that the only one that can rewire our debased mind is Jesus. And when that happens, we belong to him. And that rewiring, even though there's still the effects of sin, even though we'll still have glitches and brain farts and failures of connecting our, our mouths with our brains, and we still say stupid stuff, even though that still happens, we are redeemed. Hearts are redeemed. Jesus wants to free us to use our minds in ways that are helpful, in ways that are good, ways that pursue goodness and righteousness and not these types of evil things. He wants us to actually use our minds to learn. He wants us to be challenged to grow. Now, one of the more culturally relevant ways that this hits home for us, and I talked about this earlier, is the rise of artificial intelligence. Things like chat, uh, I always get this wrong, chat GPD, GPD. I, I always say GDP, GPS. the thing, okay, I'm just going to call it the thing because I'm going to mispronounce it again, okay. While there are a lot of dangers and pitfalls to using artificial intelligence, which actually challenges us not to think, challenges us to just, you know, put in some input and just receive it and then turn it in as a paper or turn it in as a project, okay. We're going to get to that in a minute. But there are actually some benefits to things like artificial intelligence to Christians. And I want to read just a couple of them for you. Actually, it's quite a few of them, but, but just bear with me here. Okay? In regards to spiritual guidance and education, AI-powered apps and platforms can provide personalized Bible study plans and devotionals tailored to individuals' needs and interests of Christian teens. Virtual chatbots and assistants can answer questions about faith, technology, or specific Bible passages, providing a resource for learning and exploration. When it comes to prayer and meditation, AI-powered meditation and prayer apps can guide teens through daily prayers or meditation practices, helping them deepen their connection with God. These apps can offer customized prayer suggestions based on personal concerns and needs. When it comes to community and support, AI can help connect Christian teenagers with online Christian communities, forums, support groups, where they can discuss faith-related issues, ask questions, and find like-minded peers. Bible translation and study. AI-driven language translation tools can assist in reading and understanding the Bible in different languages. AI can add in-depth Bible study by providing historical and cultural context for specific verses or passages. Christian content recommendation algorithms can recommend books, music, movies, other media. It can align with a teenager's faith and interests. I'll stop there. There's a bunch more. Okay? Now, I did this on purpose because I wanted to see a reaction. I did not write that. Who do you think did it? Chad GPT wrote that for me. Okay. It's not bad, right? It's actually pretty good. And, and I want to read the last sentence because I'm actually pretty impressed with the way that they did this. Because here's the last paragraph of what the AI, artificial intelligence, wrote for me in my application here. It's important to note that while AI can be a valuable tool, it should complement, not replace, traditional forms of spiritual guidance and community engagement. 
Parents and church leaders should play an active role in guiding teenagers in their faith journey, using AI as a supplementary tool to enhance their spiritual growth and development. Uh, so I'm actually pretty impressed with that last part because it doesn't just drive us to ourselves. It actually drives us to community. But I hope you noticed that was a very detailed description of how uh, I literally just put what are some benefits to AI to Christians. And it spewed out like all that right there. Okay. All that being said, that's how powerful these kinds of tools can be. And they can be super helpful to us. Okay. But there are a lot of unhelpful ways to use tools like this. And I know you know this. And I know you've been tempted by this, and perhaps you've already done it. And if you have, try to think critically and not do it again. Okay? AI should never replace our critical thought and processing as human beings. We were gifted minds, and we're to use those minds. We're created to think and to be. And if we just give that over to things like AI and just never actually do anything, then we're missing out on a big part of what it means to be created in God's image. Okay? God is created. He wants us to be creative. Meaning, if you have an AI chatbot write papers for you, this is not a good use of your mind. This is not a good way for you to use your thought processing. In fact, teachers are pretty good at figuring out when you have written a paper versus when a computer has written your paper. Even though these things are really good at doing at writing things, nothing replaces human thinking. Nothing replaces human thought. Because you were created with a mind to think. Sin wants us to find ways, as many ways as we can, to not think. Sin wants us to find as many ways for us to be lazy and to not put forth efforts in using our minds to do what they were created to do. Now, as many pitfalls and dangers as there are to things like this, there's actually some benefits. And I want to share one with you, which I think is actually super helpful for me as an individual. So that quote that I read earlier to you, I could not find what book that quote was from to save my life. I spent a lot of time trying to like figure out where this book came from. I Googled it. I went on Amazon and I was looking at different books by this guy to see if I could search inside the books to figure out where this quote came from. But then I thought, you know what, let me just ask the chatbot. And I typed in, where does this quote come from? And it showed me what book it was from. Those are the types of things that, that like, I share that with you because I could have spent another, I'm, I'm really uh, OCD about certain things. And when it comes to citations, that's one thing I'm really OCD about. So I want to make sure I have the citation right because if I ever go back to that source, I want to know where to find it. Okay? So this is a way that AI can be helpful. Okay? This isn't like me trying to use AI to write a paper for me. I'm just trying to figure out where a source is so I don't waste three hours of my time trying to find this book. Those are the types of ways that I think artificial intelligence can be helpful for us. If it saves you time doing things that aren't what your critical thinking should be taking up. It shouldn't write your paper, but if it can help you with like the small things, so be it. Use the God-given technology that we have. One of the big questions that we face nowadays is who am I or what does it mean to be human? And Jesus redeems our minds from the power of sin to teach us to think, to process, to use our minds, to not be lazy, to break from sinful patterns because as a human being he wants us to process and be creative just like he is because we're created in his image. So use the tools in helpful ways, avoid them when tempted to use them in unhelpful ways, because our minds are powerful tools and they need to be used wisely. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we can come together, Lord. I do pray that you would help us to be thinkers, Lord. We need more sharp Christian minds in the world that can speak truth, that can defend against things that are evil. And, Lord, we need to be able to use our minds in helpful ways. 
and skillful ways. So I do pray that you would strengthen these students, sharpen their minds, so that they can use their thinking, their thought processing, for the furthering of your kingdom. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the conclusion of our Deformed Reformed series. We hope that you have enjoyed this content. Thank you so much for tuning in, and please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM.